does not pay. So there you have it, Christy, old man. Simple, neat, and extremely profitable. I still don't see how we'll get any cash out of it if the sucker holds the money. I dislike that word, Christy. It betrays a contempt for humanity. Anyone operating as we shall must never be contemptuous of the victims. Such an attitude leads to mistakes. Oh, sorry, Professor. I see what you mean. As for the cash, leave that to me. I have, uh, shall we say, sticky fingers, particularly where money is concerned. All you have to do is to follow instructions, report to me regularly, and above all, be the perfect purveyor of edibles. In other words, the complete grocery storekeeper. In the interest of good citizenship and law enforcement, we present Crime Does Not Pay, based on the famous Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer series of short subjects. In just a moment, you will hear The Professor Pulls a Switch, starring John Loder. Crime Does Not Pay, starring John Loder as Professor Carter Forsyth in The Professor Pulls a Switch. Of all the kinds and types of crime which occur each day, perhaps the type most worthy of our absolute contempt is that which preys upon the hopes and ambitions of hard-working, plain people. Such crimes, the province of a smooth, apparently well-educated party, known at the time of this story as Professor Carter Forsythe. The professor looked and dressed his part. He knew and used the proper lingo. And the professor had quite an operation, as he explained it in his headquarters to Al Christie. This is my active file, Christie. As you can see, I do not confine my operations to one district at a time. You really got it set up, Professor. Mm, I'm rather proud of it. Here I sit at the center, and throughout the city, more than a dozen men are working for me. But since all of them achieve a more than fair profit, I have no experience with the kind of internal quarreling that unfortunately occurs in widespread organizations. And all of them are grocery stores. Always grocery stores, Professor? All people must eat. Therefore, the well-run grocery attracts the patronage of almost everyone in a given neighborhood from time to time. Gradually, the regular customers begin to gossip with the storekeeper. Much can be learned that way, and much money can eventually be garnered. Of course, the original purchase price of the store must be added to the investment of time and skill, but it pays off, Christy, it pays off. You sure talk a lot, Professor, but you get to the point after a while. Yes, don't I? And the point at the moment is that I have an excellent location for you. Uh, this is the file on that store. You've come to me with excellent references, even though you are having a hard time. I am particularly pleased that your wife is urging you to give up petty raggets and settle in some <laughs> a decent business. She need know nothing of the true nature of our operation, and both she and the children will give you an excellent front. Uh, so far, you're making a lot of sense. Now what? You will be the owner of this store. You will conduct your business properly and honestly. You will strike up friendships. 
You will learn who is the wealthiest person in the neighborhood, and you will concentrate on him. At the proper moment, you will advise me, and I will visit you while you are entertaining your new friend with choice wine and other delicacies. I will deign to offer to help your friend at a price. After that, we take him, and it'll be months before he knows the difference. So there you have it, Chris, the old man. Simple, neat, and extremely profitable. Mrs. Lanza, it's a pleasure to wait on a customer like you. Oh, I buy such a little, Mr. Christie. It's hardly worth your time and attention. Well, I can't say if all our customers were like you, my wife and I would be very happy. You mean customers can give you trouble? Can they give trouble? I shouldn't say this, but take that Mrs. Pingatori. Oh, that one, I know her. Her husband, he has a few dollars. She owns the world. Mm, I see you know her. <laughs> Nothing is ever right. The brand she wants, they don't carry. I give her the best. Never good enough. Complaints, complaints, complaints. Why she puts on airs, huh? My meal, he can buy and sell her Nicholas three times over. Is that so? Well, now, who'd have thought it? Oh, we have saved, Mr. Christie. We cut a corner here, we put a little away there. Oh, yes, we have saved. But we do not change our habits. I see. You know, Mrs. Lanza, I'd like to meet your husband sometime. Why not? I think he will like you. Maybe we'll spend an evening together, huh? Yeah, why not? Oh, Al, I was wondering... Oh, Mrs. Lanza, how are you? Oh, just fine, Mrs. Christie. I was just saying with your husband, we maybe spend the evening together sometime, huh? Yeah, I was thinking, Bertha, that uh, bottle of Oviato we've been saving. Well, why not? Well, I'd like that, Mrs. Lanza. We have so few friends here since we moved. Oh, the friends will come. You have not been here so very long. You'll see. The friends will come. And we get together soon, yes? Yes? Professor? That is correct. This is Al Christie, Professor. Progress report. Excellent. Proceed. That uh, Lanza family I told you about, Neo and Anna Lanza? Yes, yes, you told me. They're ripe for picking. Very good. Then you are friendly. Yeah, bosom pals. And your wife? <laughs> the old lady thinks I'm really going straight. She's loving it. Even wants to join the Parent Teachers Association. Fine, fine. Uh, now, when is your next meeting with the Lanzas? Tonight. Wine, chestnuts, talk, a cinch. I got his wife to speak up, Professor. They got about seven grand in the savings bank. I shall be there this evening, Christy. You may count on it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> why not? He's excellent, excellent. A man who sells the best groceries, he likes the best of everything, no? <laughs> well, that's a new quality in my husband, I must say. <laughs> oh, excuse me, the door. Help yourselves, folks. That's what the bottle is there. Oh, thank you, Mr. Kidd. Uh, he's a fine man, your husband, and a good judge of wine. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just like you don't know, Mr. Christie. Every woman knows the ability of a man. Oh, well, <laughs> here's a real surprise. Uh, may I present my wife and Mr. and Mrs. Lanza, Professor Forsythe. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Oh, now, please don't let me disturb you. I was in the neighborhood, and as I have some news for Mr. Christie, I thought telling it in person would be pleasanter than by telephone. Oh, you mean about Billy? You remember, Bertha, I told you the professor was trying to pull a few wires, get him a job? Oh, yes, of course. I recognize the name. Oh, please sit down, Professor. Thank you. I will for a moment. A glass of wine, sir? It's excellent. You take my word, huh? Please do, sir. And a cookie? Mm, Thank you again. 
Your health, ladies and gentlemen, and success to Cousin Bill in his new job. Oh, you got it for him. Thanks a million, Professor. No trouble at all. The job opened up. My uh, connection advised me the proper um, payments were made at once. And on Monday, Bill starts at 8000 a year. Yeah, you hear that, Bertha? Eight grand, a thousand a year. Well, I'm satisfied with what we got now. But such a salary. Oh, much money could be saved. Oh, sure, that is so. You know, I, uh, I would, uh... Oh, no, is it too much to ask? I ask away, me other professor won't mind. Why, of course not, Mr. Lanzer. As Alfred said, ask away. Well, it, uh, it would be possible, uh... That uh, another such a job might open up? Oh, such things are always possible. One never knows. Sometimes it occurs within a few days. Other times it takes months. And uh, please, uh, what is the work? Well, Cousin Bill is an inspector in the sanitation department. Oh, that, uh, that needs a special training. Well, not that job. Uh, there are others, uh, not only in the city government. Uh, may I ask what you do, Mr. Lanza? Oh, sure. I, I uh, manage a big shoe place. It's called the Cobbler Shop. It's in a big building downtown. Then you are experienced in management. Sure, that's right. And um, you make uh, by the year? Uh, Anna, how much is uh, $70 each week? Uh, about 3500 a year. Oh, yes. That's oh, right. but surely, Mr. Lanza, a man of your obvious abilities is worth more, much more. The bigger jobs are hard to find. That's right. Oh, but the professor could do it, couldn't you, Professor? Mm, perhaps. It may take time, but it might be done. I have connections in many fields. And uh, this would cost... Oh, for a job in the bracket we have in mind, the um, fees run high, usually in four figures. Around uh, 5,000? Oh. Uh, Anna, what are you saying? <laughs> Maybe I, I do not know. As you wish, Mio. Let us try. Eh? Is, is it not always necessary for accepting the job? Yes, Professor? Oh, not always. All right. You will try for me. Eh? Oh, for a friend of Alfred's, I'm always happy to try and it has been my experience that a friend is very often closer than a cousin. Yes, in this case, you're absolutely right. Very well, then. Uh, of course, there are certain uh, formalities. Uh, for instance, what? The money in cash, $100 bills, must be handy and must be prepared in a certain way. Why? So that the um, paymaster, so-called, can accomplish his distribution with the least possible difficulty. Oh, I get it. Under-the-counter stuff. Mm, correct. Therefore, it is necessary that I check the wrapping of the cash. All right. You tell me. I get it. I show it to you. Very well. But let the details go for now. This is a social gathering. Uh, shall we drink to a successful conclusion of this little arrangement? <laughs> Honest professor, when you told him about the brown paper and the string, I almost died. You sure played him pretty. Uh, experience, Christy, experience. You think Lanza's impressed with me? Oh, with the cape and the cane and the black hat, you're a professor to the hilt, at least the way Mio Lanza believes a professor uh, Excellent, excellent. The choice of costume is important. Here it comes, Christy. Follow my lead. Oh, Mr. Lanza, we'd almost given you up. Yeah, sure, I come as fast as I can. Here, here you see, here's a $5,000. All in a hundred dollar bill. And I wrapped it carefully in the brown paper once around. I, at the right, huh? Mm, perfect, Mr. Lanza. Uh, 
you want to count it, uh, I open. Oh, as one gentleman to another, I trust you, Mr. Lanza. I wished only to be certain the package was properly prepared. Oh, a thousand pardons, my cape, on the counter. Oh, that's all right. Uh, there we are, your package, sir. Hey, you know one haul it yourself. Oh, huh? why should I? Well, I mean, but for the bride. Oh, a harsh word that we'll overlook it. No, you will keep the money until I call for it. Maybe uh, Alfred, he hold it, huh? Oh, me? Why, the professor trust you, Mio? Well, all right, if you say so, it's all right. Like it is, in the packages are going to stay until you call it. Excellent. And uh, now perhaps you would like to put it in a safe place uh, at home. Sure, sure, it's a lot of money. Uh, you know, I work a long time to save this money. Now I... Gonna invest it in a fine job. <laughs> Thank you, Alfred. Thank you, Professor. I'm gonna have it ready all the time so that the way you call me, you know. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Now what, Professor? Open this package, Chris. Huh? Oh yeah, sure. Hey, Professor. This is Mio's dough. And he has cut newspapers wrapped exactly like this. When my cape fell on the counter, remember? Oh, oh, oh that dope. The poor old dope sitting on a package of newspapers. The old handkerchief. Yeah, exactly. And months before it will be discovered. In the meantime, we shall have many more victims. Oh, brother, what a switch. What a switch. Yes, Christy. You might put it, the professor pulls a switch. A $5,000 switch. Who's the next victim, Christian? Where and when? In just a moment, Crime Does Not Pay will continue with The Professor Pulls a Switch. Continue with Crime Does Not Pay, starring John Loder as Professor Carter Forsyth in The Professor Pulls a Switch. The months rolled by. The professor's share of Miolanzo's hard-earned savings was gone, as was Al Christie's. Other victims had come into the grocery store, the same trick had been worked, and all went away with their brown parcels of newspaper cut to the size of hundred-dollar bills clutched nervously in their hands. Now time was running out. The professor knew this. Al was not very aware of it. Neil Lanza and Anna let their patients wear very thin. The professor and Al were alone in the grocery store one morning. You're doing beautifully, Christy. I'm thinking of opening a, a branch office upstate. And perhaps you are the man to supervise it for me. Well, thanks, Professor. Tell the truth, I'd be kind of glad to stop selling coffee and spaghetti at the front. Hey, Professor, we've been to look for you. Yes, sir, it's five months now, and you get no job for my husband. Mrs. Lanza, I said when we first met it might take time. Almost for half a year now. Is it too long? Yes, yes. Sure, my money's to stay in the package. We don't sleep at night. There's too much money in the house, and, uh, and there's no interest like in a bank. Here, we bring a package. We ask for you to take it and find for my husband a job. Getting a little frayed around the edges, uh, isn't it? My, my friends, I was just this moment explaining to Mr. Christie I have a most important appointment downtown on your business, Mr. Lanza. So if you will excuse me, but for if fact, you'll all forgive me, I can barely make it now. I'll see you again presently with good news, I trust. 
You know something? All at once, I don't like this man. Neo, I am very glad now you hold the money yourself. Uh, you sure of your friend, Alfred? Huh? As sure as I am of myself. All right, good. Then maybe in a few days, it's the job. Huh? Meantime, we put some clean paper on the money, so all will be ready. Yes, Alfred? Neo, <gasps> this is no money. It's just a newspaper. It's not possible. Well, it must be not this time. Five thousand dollars. It's so hard to save, and now it's all gone. Alfred, your friend is a crook. Oh, no, I'm doing very wrong here. Who's fighting? Right, the Lancers think the professor is a crook. Some way, I don't know how, but some way he gets all money. I remember. I was standing here. His cape is a fall on the package. Oh. He changed the package. Hey, look, look, I know it's tough, but you can't prove anything. And you. You, my friend, you are in this. I know. You say, too, I must hold the money. You do not want to hold it. Like the professor, you do not. You are a thief, a thief. Theo put on a knife. It's a cheese knife. It's good and sharp. Alfred, you make the one move. With the, your own knife, I cut you. Quick, Anna. You run for the police. Yes, yes. We arrest my friend Alfred. We find out who is the thief. Who steal the money so hard to save? Alfred Christie, your charge was lost me. How do you plead? Guilty, Your Honor. Have you anything to say before sentence is pronounced? Nothing, Your Honor. I I told the district attorney I have nothing to say. I switched the packages, that's all. Very well. I know that it's accepted practice in some cases to allow a prisoner to plead guilty to a lesser charge in order to avoid the time and trouble and expense of a long trial. However, I can think of few crimes more reprehensible than the one to which you've just admitted guilt. Swindling an honest man of his life savings. With this in mind, I sentence you to the limit the law allows. Five to ten years in state prison. That's all. And what happens to me, Your Honor? And the kids while he's in jail? Why is my husband a victim while a man who was behind his door free? That woman removed. Now, don't, Bertie. You'll only get in trouble. I don't care. They told the book at you. But what about the professor? Where is he? Why haven't you told me? Just a moment, madam. Are you Mrs. Christine? I am, Your Honor. You know something about this professor that your husband has refused to tell? I know him. Professor Carter Forsythe. With his ways and his smiles. And all the while he's a thief and a maker of thieves. Why, please... Control yourself, madam. You can't help your husband by this scene, but you can possibly help the state. I direct that the district attorney and the police question you at once, and if possible, that your testimony be given to the grand jury. That's all. Take them both away. Good evening, Mrs. Christie. Good evening, Professor Forsyth. May I come in? You are in, Professor. Yes, yes, I seem to be. Are the children asleep? The one I could afford to keep with me is. The other two relatives are home. I see. I understand your bitterness, Mrs. Christie. It has been my experience, however, that bitterness such as yours is sweetened invariably by the sight and the possession of pieces of green and black paper, such as these. That's a lot of money. Your husband's due share of my enterprise to date. What do you want for that? Why do you interpret my motives so crassly, madam? 
As I said, this is your husband's share your of my... Your kind doesn't give up that kind of dough just to play square. Let's have it. What do you want? I've learned in my time that memory can be a convenient attribute. Memory has strange lapses at times, and I believe that your memory is due for an exhibition tomorrow before the grand jury. Oh, in other words, you're buying my silence, Professor. Again, madam, you're very blunt. Let us say I am ensuring that certain details which you hinted at in a certain courtroom during a, uh, to say the least, injudicious outburst, will flee your memory tomorrow morning. Save the talk, Professor, and the money. Surely you will listen to reason, Mrs. Christie, a large sum of reason. We won't get Al out of jail. And I'd like to see you there on visiting days, too. And so would the Lanzas and a lot of other decent You're folks. very determined, madam. A pity. A stubborn woman is usually a foolish woman. What do you mean by that, crack? It may interest you to know, madam, that I acquired my sobriquet of professor while I was a magician of no little repute. Stay away from that me. That reputation was based principally on my knowledge of sleight of hand, on my very skillful hands, on my very powerful hands, oh, Mr. Oh, Christie. Let us no. not be noisy and vulgar about this, Mrs. Christie. It's really too bad you were such an emotional woman, Mrs. Christie. The grand jury will miss you, madam. One moment, please. I asked you to wait. Christy. Let me in. Shut the door, Professor. Aren't you out early, Christy? I'm out. Good behavior. In a matter of months, on a sentence of five to ten years, oh, there must be new rules. Yeah, and maybe I made them. Christy, surely you haven't been foolhardy enough to break jail. Maybe. Maybe a couple of other things, too. Hmm, interesting. Care to cite any examples? Yeah. Maybe I got told by the folks taking care of my kids that my wife is... Dead. I heard something to that effect. A pity. A youngish woman, too. Yeah. And a woman who stood for her no-good husband and tried to make him into something decent for a long time. She deserved something better than me or dying the way she did. And maybe she shouldn't be just a name in a police file marked Murders Unsolved. A long speech for you. Maybe I learned that from you, Professor. Have you suddenly acquired a long tongue, Christine? Maybe I have. Your wife had a long tongue. Too long. Much too long. I figured you were in that deal. No one has anything on me in that case, Christy. No one can even lead to me except you. And the most you could get me is a conviction for grand larceny. However, I have no intention of spending any time in jail. You're gonna fry, Professor. On the contrary, Christy. A respectable householder such as I has every right to protect his premises from an escaped convict such as you. Particularly a thief such as you. Even when the protection involves killing. Put away the knife, Professor. It doesn't go with the act. On the contrary, the climax of my act used to be an exhibition of knife-throwing light. All right, put it down, Professor. Down or into Christie here. All right, hold him, Wiener. Sure, I got him, Lieutenant. Let me go. You have no warrants. Quiet him, Wiener. Yes, sir. Okay, dump him in the car, Wiener. The doc can look at his hand down at the station. Check, Lieutenant. You all right, Christy? Yeah. Now I am. Thought you'd never get here, Lieutenant. Why, we were outside right after you shut the door. Nice work. 
We've got a good circumstantial case on him for the death of your wife and a clear case of attempted murder where you're concerned. And uh, I've got a hunch, Christy, that the parole board will take early notice of your assistance to the police in this. Now then, before you go back to jail, do you want to watch us book the professor for murder? Crime does not pay. John Loder, who has starred as Professor Carter Forsyth in The Professor Pulls a Switch, We'll be back with you in just a moment. Now here in person is John Loder. There's little use denying that the professor was a very clever fellow. The pity being that his cleverness was warped and twisted into channels that led to evil rather than to good. The moral of his tale is twofold. First, for people like Neil Lanzer, who, like so many of us, lend themselves to schemes without thinking because of the pressures we feel in our daily struggle to make a living. Second, for people like the professor, who live by their wits and expect to get away with it as long as they care to. To the first group, we say, watch your step, think before you leap. To the second group, we reiterate, no matter how clever you may think you are, the day of reckoning will eventually arrive. It happens to be very true that crime does not pay. Thank you, Mr. Loader. Time Does Not Pay is written by Ira Marion and directed by Mark B. Lowe, with music composed and conducted by John Garth. Technical advisor is Burton B. Turkus. The events, characters, and names used in the story you've just heard are fictitious. Any similarity is purely coincidental. (laughs) 